Good day, everyone. This is Martha Childress, and welcome to Sedona Spotlight, where each week my co-host, Darielle Archer, or I feature teachers, healers, visionaries, and other notables in their field from mystical, magical Sedona, Arizona. Sedona Spotlight is here to shine its light on you, so anyone, anywhere, or anytime can experience the amazing energies emanating from the sacred red rocks right here in Sedona, Arizona. You can also lighten up live from Seattle, Washington, and vicinity every Tuesday at half past noon on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM on the dial, or listen live online from anywhere in the world you may happen to be at 1230 PM US Pacific time by clicking the listen live link at SedonaSpotlight.com. And today, as we start a series of shows, as we work up to Mother's Day, I have Dr. Deborah Cahill with me, who's had over 30 years experience as an OBGYN physician and delivered over 6,000 babies with me today to talk about mother's intuition uh, and the importance of recognizing and using that intuition before, during, and after childbirth. I'm so excited. Debbie is was not only my OBGN and delivered both of my children, she's also my cousin, and I'm so happy to have her today. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you so much, Martha. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's kind of two isn't very many out of over 6,000, but um, I'd like to think mine were extra special. <laughs> oh, of course they were. <laughs> they were the best. <laughs> well, they were definitely memorable. And um, Debbie was just out here visiting me in Sedona. And just like everything else that's kind of birthed from Sedona, as we were talking about my particular experience um, and how, gosh, uh, childbirth was pretty much my greatest fear in life. <laughs> And Debbie not only helped me face that fear, she may have also saved my life and that of my daughters by simply asking me the simple question, what does your intuition tell you? Um, and that's why we decided to share my story and others that Debbie will share today as a reminder for patients and doctors alike to listen to that still quiet knowing inside, which we call intuition. So before we go into my story, uh, which began March 2nd, 1998 with my birth of Mary. Um, tell us a little about yourself and about your experiences up until then and since then, where the value of intuition started to prove very real to you. Yes, um, I had the honor of being educated at the University of Washington in Seattle, first getting a bachelor's degree in nursing and working for a couple of years as a nurse before I went forward and got my uh, degree in medicine in 1982. And um, I very much value my experience um, of having been a nurse because I think that gave me a perspective that I would not have otherwise had. And I think my first experiences with intuition in the field of medicine had to do with that, with the, the um, honoring the instincts that a lot of very experienced nurses had. And um, so this kind of I found this very interesting as I also learned who spent most of the time with a patient and that mm -hmm. is the nurse. Yeah. So that's kind of what started me on it. But, um, you know, then throughout my practice, it certainly, it was, you know, I'd say at least five years before I recognized what a role intuition could, could play with, um, in my practice of medicine. Yeah. Well, especially, um, with pregnant women, um, I think, you know, women on a whole are a little bit more kind of empathetic and intuitive. And I think especially when you're pregnant, that seems to be heightened. Um, 
at least I know in my experience, when I was pregnant, I was suddenly kind of more in my body because there's something in your body (laughs) (laughs) kind of forces you to like, oh, wow, you know, you are suddenly kind of paying attention more about your body. And I think that's where you start kind of noticing what feels right and what doesn't. Right. The, the fact that you actually start feeling that life in your body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. For sure. Well, um, my story was kind of interesting because, um, uh, I had, it was my second kind of, it was my second pregnancy. My first one was, uh, turned out to be somewhat high risk. Um, still turned out to be okay. Cause Debbie held my hand all the way. And <laughs> the second one, I was thinking, boy, this is, this is going a lot better than the first one. Um, but so what week would it be if I was like six weeks early? Cause I kind of can't remember that. Um, 34 weeks. Yes. Yeah, so at around 34 weeks, um, when I was at my regular, you know, um, checkup, um, I had been there with, there was nothing during that checkup. Well, Actually, I was, now I'm remembering it more clear. Um, I started going into premature labor soon after one of my regular checkups. And so I remember when we were meeting and I was, I, I came in and I had also been noticing um, for several days that the, the movement in my, you know, the, you know, when your kid's kicking or whatnot, it just for some reason felt different to me. Um, and not that I would even kind of say anything or, um, I mean, I definitely noticed it. Um, but until we were talking and we were talking about, um, you know, sometimes premature labor is for a reason happens for a reason. Uh, why don't you tell them what you told me? Um, you know, that basically, I mean, some people just do have a history of preterm labor and then they would have a higher risk for having it happen again. But sometimes there is possibly some medical reason that the baby is trying to be born early. And um, so that's one of the things that that I asked Martha about is um, how do you feel? I mean, how are you feeling about how things are going with your baby? Yeah. And that's when I just like, oh my God, <laughs> the the movement of my tummy is all weird. And, you know, it's like, it's feeling different. And she says, well, what do you think it's, you know, what's your intuition tell you about, about it? And before I could even think of anything, I said, she wants out. And yeah. every fiber of my being at that moment um, said, oh God, that's it that's exactly it. Um, and I just felt so grateful that, you know, that Debbie not only asked me because there are risks, you know, that early, but when she asked me that, I mean, if there was nothing that, you know, was of any concern, you know, I would have said, well, sure. But until I stopped to really think it wasn't just different, I knew that there was an anxiousness to it. And when those words came out of my mouth without even thinking about it, it's like, she wants out. I knew, I definitely knew that there was, there was a reason that, um, I was going to, you know, that I needed, or at that point, I wasn't going to leave the hospital without my baby. (laughs) Right. And when somebody expresses something like that to me, um, I, I definitely listen. Um, if not, 
um, I mean, at least to do more exploration in terms of what is going on, you know, why exactly. would she be feeling this way? You know, is the baby doing okay inside of Martha, you know, or, and how is the baby growing and um, things like that. And I think we also had noticed that her fundal height, which, um, which is where you, we usually measure to see if the baby is growing adequately, um, did had not changed. And so that doesn't necessarily mean the baby had not grown, but it definitely is a red flag. Hmm. You know, yeah. why is this happening? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we don't want to mislead people into thinking, you know, it's like, wow, you know, just any little instinct, but one where you're knowing is so right on. And, and that's where, you know, that, that critical moment, you know, when you, when you actually said the words, what does your intuition say um it's like it wasn't just intuition at that point it was a total knowing um yeah and and i think people will rec you know can kind of recognize and know the difference between that and at that point we just just started to discuss the um you know the risks right i mean definitely it warranted a lot more exploration as to yeah you know, are there objective things that indicate that this baby needs to come out, you know, doing monitoring of the baby, you know, we have things called non-stress tests where we put uh, babies on the monitor and make sure that they're doing well in terms of the monitoring. And I think the fact that there was some concern about that, along with Martha's concerns, um, made us really start to consider, you know, um, does she need to come out or you know, what is the risk if we leave her in at this point? Yeah. And I don't, I can't think of um, any other doctor. And, you know, plus, you know, as I say, because we're related, we could talk a little bit more candidly. Um, but I can't imagine anybody else if I said, well, I think the baby wants to come out. They go, fine, take these, you know, take this and, you know, suppress your labor and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we'll check on you in a week or or whatnot, I think, I think I really would have been dismissed. And um, when we're done with um, wrapping up my story real quick, we'll, we'll talk about the, um, you know, how difficult that can be and the best ways to approach, you know, to approach it when you definitely know something's wrong. And at that point, I definitely knew something was wrong. It wasn't just a guess. Um, I was willing to take any risk um, because I knew, as I say, from the fiber of my being at that point that, this, this baby did want to come out. And at that point, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm already in labor. So don't, you know, let's not stop it. Let's just embrace it because it's probably happening for a reason. Right. And I had been in practice enough years at that point in time where I had seen situations where women have expressed that very thing, that they were really worried that there was something wrong or, um, and, and I, I really wanted to listen to it. And had there not been some other indication, like the fact that she was trying to go into labor or fact that the baby did not look as well on the monitoring as it should have, um, one might've said, well, you should at least do an amniocentesis to check to make sure the lungs are mature, you know, before you allow this to continue. But there were enough reasons pointing to the fact that this baby did indeed would grow, had not been growing and would, uh, be better off on the outside than the inside. Yeah. And so, um, we went into, uh, you know, we, 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 I, I went into the, I went from the clinic into the hospital at that point. Um, and it was like, all right, you know, she wants to come out and, um, 
my labor did go quite quite quickly and i remember it's um we we have a little joke because uh, when she started to come out, I mean, she was really going to come out and I had to argue with the nurse again, too. And I think you've, you've heard, <laughs> I'd like to hear what you say, too, um, because you said, you know, when, a, when a mother says that the baby's coming, it's coming. And I found myself arguing with the nurse. Going, yes. I, will you check again? It's like, no, we just checked. I go, no, I mean, please check again. I mean, I went back and forth before I finally just kind of yelled, please check. And then she finally did. And it's like, she's crowning. <laughs> and then I hear them calling you, you know, Dr. Debbie Cahill over the speakerphone, you know, over the hospital, you know, please report. And you hadn't as much as sat down and, I mean, Mary just like literally just landed in your hands. And that's when my husband was going, Debbie, what are we paying for you? Paying you for, you didn't deliver a baby. You just caught one. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, and I think anyone that spent enough time or uh, in obstetrics and gynecology has experienced women saying the baby's coming when they made, might have just checked her and she was only two centimeters. And they say, no, but believe me, <laughs> that's been proven wrong so many times. If a woman <laughs> says the baby is coming, the baby is coming. coming. <laughs> yeah. right. So you can imagine when we're all kind of joking around and, um, you know, there's a lot of levity in the room then, uh, and, Debbie hands me the baby and, you know, all the fingers and toes and everything. And I look down and I see Debbie's face and tears just started streaming down her cheeks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Debbie, you know, what's, what's going on? And why don't you tell them what you found? Well, there is a condition called vasa previa where the blood vessels um, that are normally um, protected by the Wharton's jelly and the umbilical cord, the, the vessels had separated from the cord. And so the vessels were exposed for, you know, had it torn, uh, which it could do, it would have, the baby would have bled to death. And so it, it's very so difficult. What have I? Yeah. It's difficult to, it's easy, these days with better ultrasounds, it's um, easier to diagnose phase of previa, but back then the ultrasounds weren't as uh, good at diagnosing it. And so I just felt like we were totally blessed because um, if we had gone to a lot of work to try to keep that baby inside, I'm not sure what would have happened. Yeah. I mean, it was like a ticking time bomb and um, you know, Mary, you know, Mary wasn't my, my, my daughter, my baby wasn't getting any nutrition. I mean, she, you know, she was also, you know, hungry. That's why she wanted out, but she wanted out. Cause it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't habitable in there anymore. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, I think in sharing the story too, you know, even if it just, you know, gets people to have more of a conversation when they know what they know, what they know, um, so tell me in your experience too, um, you know, how, what's the best way to kind of approach that subject with some, um, certain providers or certain providers I know. And I think nurses are, are definitely more willing, uh, cause they've, they've been around at that point, you know, like right. you see, spend more time. They've uh, had a lot of, they've had more experience than most doctors if they've been doing it for a long time, because yeah. most doctors deliver their own patients, but nurses are working with several doctors and deliveries. So they, their observations are very valuable. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that can happen, um, so, I mean, people might have read in the news lately, um, they've had been talking more about Serena Williams' birth experience um, back in 2018, where um, she delivered, and it was after her delivery, she knew something was wrong. She knew she had had a history of uh, pulmonary embolism in the past, and she knew that she was having trouble breathing. She had all the symptoms. She was coughing. And it was difficult for her to get anyone to listen to her about her concerns. And she persisted, she persisted. Uh, if, if the nurses, she said, I need to talk to the doctor, she kind of persisted. And in doing so, she um, luckily everything turned out okay, but she ended up having to have a few surgeries and was intensive care unit. And it was very difficult birth experience for her. Um, and at first she could not, got, not get people to listen to her. So I think that if, if a woman's in that situation, she does not feel listened to, ask for another opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As I say, and just stay persistent. And it's interesting because even at that point, you know, where you, you know, you asked me, there was like no turning back and I would have, I would have fought through it, but I never would have thought I had that writer or I wouldn't even consider that there might be a reason that, you know, you go and, you know, you, you go into labor six weeks early. I mean, yeah. it hadn't even occurred to me. I mean, everyone's always like, oh, you got to get, you know, you got to, got to wait the full time, you know, uh, that's kind of what was in my head. And so, I mean, I just think it's really, really good for people to kind of hear and, and know to really trust their own knowing and to investigate further and until you are listened to. Yeah. And even if you're just asking, can we do some more testing to reassure me, you know, yeah, because exactly. I really have this concern, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for that. In fact, it's your right to be able to ask for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, in your experience with, um, other doctors that they talked about, um, some intuition, you know, guiding them, um, a lot, or is it something that, you know, that they're at least it's been a conversation more in the medical community? I think it is. And I think it's something that didn't really happen for me until I had been practiced probably at least four or five years, because, you know, at that point I was trying to master the whole science of medicine yeah. you know, and what, you know, am I doing the right tests and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and not li really listening to intuition, but over the years, you compare stories with other providers and, and compare um, situations where they've had that occur and how valuable, and that's kind of, it's hard to describe the art of medicine. There's the science of medicine, which we all need to know, you yeah. know, need to respect very highly. But then there's the art of medicine, which is, I think has a lot to do with listening. I really yeah. do. Well, absolutely. And thank God, you know, you listened um, and you not, you didn't just listen, you also asked. And, mm -hmm. right. and that's another thing too, um, you know, for, you know, for, to, for, to remember to ask. And if you're not being asked by your provider, ask yourself. Right. Right. And I think many of us as providers have had patients say, I think there's something wrong, you know, and think they think there's something wrong. It, we need to do some more investigation, you know, and there might not be anything wrong, but yeah. I think it, that concern needs to be honored and followed through on. Yeah. I mean, and there are, you know, there definitely are hypochondriacs out there, but there are, yes, they but are. They're, but they're usually pretty well documented. I mean, if the list goes on, you know, if they got, you know, 
58 pages of paperwork or something, but you know, if this is kind of, you know, not something that, you know, and any concerns were expressed before, and then suddenly it's just like, ah, oh, you know, I, I just have a sense of something there's, yeah. you know, usually something to it, or it might be something that's, you know, simple to fix or, you know, even as much as, you know, something that they've been eating for a while or something that, that created something. Right. Um, yeah. And I know you've done it. You do. Um, you've also taught, you know, you spent time uh, doing a lot of uh, instructing and simulations um, of emergencies. Yes. Uh, talk about intuition in emergencies, because sometimes in emergencies, there's not time for a lot of testing. I would think. Right. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had the honor of being able to um, work for a hospital system and go to 32 hospitals teaching doctors and nurses what to do in uh, in um, postpartum hemorrhage, sh um, shoulder dystocia, neonatal resuscitation. And those are some of the big emergencies that are just uh, unpredictable. And um, any single provider might have not seen it in the past three years, but needs to know what to do in these cases. And, yeah. and sometimes, um, you know, I've had patients who have said, had, there's something wrong. One of the things that can happen is in postpartum hemorrhage is not always obvious. I mean, if it's external, you see that extra blood, but sometimes people will be bleeding internally and yeah. He ends and have, uh, they know something is wrong and having us do more investigation, being careful about checking their vital signs and, and uh, doing further testing. And what if they have internal bleeding and you can't see it anyway? So these are all important things to take into consideration. Well, yeah, not everybody, you know, back to my first childbirth, you, you know, because you, um, you know, we're on the emergency teams and you always do take those extra steps. You also were able to discover that I had extra stuff inside of me that could have caused a lot of trouble after my first pregnancy. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but not every, you know, not every, um, not every bit doctor is that way. So, I mean, even there, it's just like, you know, even after you have your birth, it's just like, you know, will you, did you double check? Did you really, really double check? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Will you please make sure everything is out? Because that can cause a lot of trouble. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Postpartum hemorrhage is a very big cause of maternal mortality in our country. Yeah. And what I think is really interesting is that that's up. And, um, you know, when we were talking about this too, I think with modern medicine, you know, there's just so many advances um, but because there are a lot of times when there is an emergency situation, like you say, someone hasn't done it or hasn't done it for so long. I mean, it's really important to kind of um, have refreshers or, you know, just to kind of know going in to make sure your your provider is, up, you know, is up to date on on potential hazards. Yeah, correct. Because the um, uh, maternal mortality rate in our country has been increasing. Yeah. And why doesn't make that be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just doesn't make any any sense because before, you know, when they had before computers and all this kind of stuff, everybody had to really memorize and know everything, and you know, they would kind of test themselves. But even then, it's just like, what happens if there's an internet outage? It seems like more and more <laughs> now the doctors just they're not they're looking at their computer more than they are looking at you. <laughs> And it's very important to look at the patient and to listen to the patient. I mean, those are, it's so important. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, it's, um, as I say, I hope um, 
I, I hope talking about intuition uh, along with medicine, like you say, there's a science of medicine, but there's there's definitely room for a lot more in there too. And um, so what would you like to leave our listeners with today on that note? Um, I think to not be afraid to speak up if they have a, an instinct or um, or some kind of a concern to not be, be afraid to speak up. And also if they don't feel heard by their provider, maybe consider consulting another provider, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard to necessarily do that, but if your questions aren't answered and your feeling of unease is not, uh, take is not helped to, you know, ask further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, just patients. I mean, you've been a patient, you've been a nurse and you have been a doctor. Um, it really is uh, about kind of really watching for watching out for yourself and, and, and patient rights and exercising those. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, everyone, you can find an archive to today's show. If there's anybody you want to share this with at SedonaSpotlight.com, along with other great resources to help uplift your mind, body, and spirit, and to learn about more about our clean water projects for the Hopi and the Navajo. Um, and you can also see a replay of the World Water Day concert that we recently sponsored um, at SedonaSpotlight.com. So please check that out. Um, and join us next week as Darielle Archer, Robin Alexis, and I will be talking about the beauty and power of female intuition in general, not just pregnant moms, <laughs> as we head closer to this year's Mother's Day. So be sure to tune in next week for that too. Well, Debbie, I thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you so much that I'm here and that my daughter is here. And I just, I really, I really, I kind of know that if, if it wasn't for you asking and for me not listening and paying attention that, um, you know, you say you could have saved a couple of lives there. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure being able to do this with you, Martha. Thank you. Yes. And hopefully this, this will, this will save some more people out there, at least from, you know, a lot of disdain and a lot of discomfort. Cause, uh, when I was in the hospital, I could have been at least, you know, rushed up for a, um, a C-section or something, but I had to be in the hospital. If I wasn't, things could have turned out very, very different. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this today. Um, and, you know, as I say, anybody that, um, you know, can kind of pass that on, I think it, you know, intuition and respecting that and asking for that is a huge, huge thing, a uh, huge right that should be uh, exercised that, as I say, can add that other element uh, to the science to make sure that everything turns out for the best possible way. So thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and turning up the lights because we can all be spotlights helping to create a brighter world and better future for everyone anywhere in any time. So shine on everybody and have a truly magical day.